Hello and welcome. My name is Anuj and I'm the host of the Way Forward podcast. We're bringing you interviews from inspirational people that have had success and failure around the startup space or unique industries. Through their stories, we're here to help you pave the way forward. And so today we're in conversation with Tracy Taylor, the current CEO of Yellow. You may have heard of the Yellow Pages, but today it's called Yellow Only. Tracy has got a wealth of experience in the people space, managing the human side of business. Today we talk about business startups and high performance from a human perspective. Now, regardless of where you are in your journey, I'm sure you'll capture a couple of epiphanies and it'll really help you pave the way forward. Also, guys, just a bit of a disclaimer. This was shot on the 7th of April. 2021, uh, just a year after the first lockdown. Uh, the lockdown that we speak about in this interview has uh, got no correlation to the recent one. Thank you. Hello, Tracy. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. How are you today? Thanks, AJ. I'm great. So, Tracy, we sort of looked through your profile and saw that you started your career in London. Please tell us a bit about that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I spent about 10 years probably in total overseas working in the UK, across US, Asia and Australia. And my background is people and culture, actually. Um, I've come through a different path. So most of my experience in those regions was in that space. But I always, I guess, within the businesses that I was in, um, diversified across different types, um, different parts of the um, organisation. So I've got sort of a generalist background in business, if wow. you like. Copy, copy. And so where do those opportunities come from? I guess a, a lot of it was just hard work yep. and taking opportunities when they came. And sometimes the opportunity itself might not present immediately. Uh, you're given something that you think, well, it's not really what I want to do or how I want to do it. But I've always had the philosophy, well, give it a go and let's see where it leads. So I think that has served me well. That's awesome. And so what's the first position that you had overseas? I actually, when I arrived in London, I started working for Ernst & Young. And I was in their people and culture team for I was there for a couple of years actually and that was great experience huge business there was about 3,000 people in the London office at the time and I actually went from the people and culture team into other parts of the business I did some time in audit I did some time in the IPO division so it was a really great place for me to um, gather lots of skills build great networks and um, just actually have a really good time in London. Oh, absolutely. London's heaps of fun. Yeah, yeah. And so from EY, where'd you go next? I actually ended up going to a smaller consulting business and they were project management consultants. So again, I started within their business in the people and culture space, but then ended up moving into more of a consultant um, leadership space for them and doing things across the business, whether it be advisory on... Um, certain things that were um, important internally or helping them with relationships with clients. So that was a really great stepping stone for me because what that in turn did was ended up um, taking me to Asia, to the US and doing lots of interesting work there 
and eventually I got transferred to Australia, which was a nice transition home for me. Um, as you can imagine, um, and lots of Kiwis would know this, coming straight from London back to New Zealand can be quite the culture shock yeah. after you spend a lot of time away. So it was a great opportunity for me. And so how long were you overseas for? It was about 10 years in total, yeah. And so you came back to New Zealand. Where did you start off? So I started actually at Dentsu Aegis Network. It was at the time. They're just Dentsu now. Uh, so again, I was the head of people for uh, about five years. I was there. But whilst I was there, got involved in a lot of the, they did a lot of acquisition of smaller agencies to bring in under their umbrella. So I got a lot of, I got really involved in that process, which I found really interesting, um, particularly from a how do you integrate people right. to um, when you're sort of buying the business. The, the commercial part of that is usually quite straightforward. It's the human side, which yeah. can be difficult. That. So that was really interesting. And so what did you learn from the experience of acquiring all these other companies while at Dentsu? Yeah, I guess there is many ways to do it, depending on what the outcome is that you want. And often within Dentsu, we actually just wanted to bring these businesses in, but leave them um, in the greatness that they were and not try and transform them too much into something that they weren't. So it wasn't until a bit later in the piece that we decided that we needed to bring some of those brands together that then the real integration started. And again, I think it's quite straightforward. Humans like connection. They like to feel like they belong to something and that it has a purpose. So we would, we would actually shape our work around those pillars. And then after that, where'd you head? So after Denso, I actually came here to Yellow. So I've been here uh, coming up three years now, um, and that has been a wonderful journey. Again, I started here as chief of people, and at that time when I started, um, we were again in a. We had started well into our digital transformation. So here at Yellow, obviously, we didn't have a choice. You know, something called Google came along about yeah. thirty odd years ago, and. Um, that actually disrupted our business model overnight. Yeah. So we were actually catapulted into digital transformation, but that's been a wonderful thing for us because actually I think you know we have moved into that space with real purpose. Yeah. And whilst I will say though, we still really value the print side of our business. And like any good digital agency, having a variety of products, including print, to offer your clients, particularly our customers who are small to medium-sized businesses within New Zealand, sometimes still has a value. So whilst we're in digital transformation, we still really value our, our print. Cool, that makes a lot of sense. And so it seems like your experience at EY and Dentsu has really helped shape the CEO you are today. What would you say is different about your leadership to a CEO that isn't exposed to the people side of things? really interesting because, as you know, most CEOs don't come from a people space, so yes. I'd like to see more, actually. Yeah. Um, but I think I've always been very interested in leadership. That's been something that I've always done. And I've also taught a lot of leaders how to be leaders. You naturally do that within a, a people role. So that's something that I've always really enjoyed. But I also think that Businesses today are getting so much better at understanding that without people who are well, who um, have purpose, 
who um, are excited about what we are as a business and why, that actually you don't make profit anyway. So the, the, the things are connected. And at Yellow, we have always had, since I have been here, our people strategy connected to our business strategy. They're not two different things. They are one, and that has served us well. How would you say that served you well? In terms of when you set up a business plan, there's a goal tied to it or goals. And how do you merge the two? Yeah, and that's and that will be different for everybody, what it looked like for us at Yellow. So we chose some key pillars, and I mentioned them earlier, but building belonging, embracing vulnerability, and establishing purpose. And those things are commercial. So if you have a place where people belong, feel they belong, can be who they are within that business, you will get high performance. And of high performance comes profit. So that has been something that has always just made sense to me and we have connected our pillars in that way. And I think what we've been able to prove off of that, I'm a big believer in data, is we have seen our cash improve, our EBITDA improve, and our engagement score improve. So we've got good data to say to us that we are headed in the right direction. And we've still got lots to learn. And part of those pillars, um, I guess, is diversity and inclusion. That that underpins a great deal of it for us here at Yellow. And that we, we mean that about our customers also. Gotcha. Now, for all the other startups and businesses out there, so you, you've done a lot of acquisitions. Yeah. How would you suggest... Um, someone could take a, I suppose, uh, a good approach to seeing whether a strategic partnership would be viable similar to what you've got over here? Yeah, I, I think there's many um, prongs to answer that. Where yeah. I see um, businesses perhaps falling over is if they just look at the numbers or right. the commercial part of the business. That is definitely part of it and really important. However, I think you need to look at whether these the partnership makes sense, whether it makes sense for your customers as well as theirs, how you're going to make that work internally and what is the strategy, I guess, behind all of that. So there's many things to consider. And what I have seen over the years in terms of acquisitions is the financials are usually done really well um, and the other parts are usually last minute. And But right. that is often where an acquisition can go wrong right or not right. succeed and so how would you i suppose in i mean in the acquisition process how would you like of course there's financial statements that you look at yeah. uh, but how would you go about looking at the other aspects like for example the culture within a company yeah, yeah. Um, the processes that they have yeah. and all that so there's cultural audits that you can do and really that is just you know a simple way to say that is just ask some questions, talk yep. to the people, get a feel for the business, spend some time doing that, talk to their customers, spend some time understanding what's important to them. Mm -hmm. And and again, I think it's just rather than seeing that as a last minute thing, bring that right into the start of your acquisition journey as you would the numbers. Mm -hmm. Do it at the same time so that you've got time to really dig into that and understand it. From a weightage point of view, what would you give 
people and culture and financial statements uh, in terms of um, importance with an acquisition? Well, equal, but I would say that actually if you're doing it really well, you'd be giving the people a bit more weight. (laughs) Because it is where, again, I'm a big believer that it is the human side of the business is where you succeed or fail. Just some, you know, in terms of, so Yellow's been able to pivot and you believe that people and culture have played a very strong part in that. For startups and other growth businesses out there, what advice would you have for them in terms of pivoting with, you know, right now we are kind of in, well, I mean, COVID's still there, yeah. but it's sort of post-COVID. Yeah. Um, what, what, what sort of advice would you have for those sort of startups and companies? Yeah, yeah. and I agree with you. I think um, we are yet to see also the, the after effects of COVID and that has taken a huge toll on many businesses and will continue to do so until we can get borders open um, and get a bit more normality back. But uh, I think, again, even as a startup, I think you're lucky because you don't have to turn a ship that has been going a certain way. You have an opportunity with a new platform, which is really exciting. But don't underestimate the importance of planning around people planning around strategy in terms of, well, um, what does what does three years look like? What does five years look like? But being able to pivot within that. So again, it's, I think the, it, it can be really tempting to just focus on the selling hmm. and, and just getting the money in the door, which I get as a survival thing, but do take the time also to think about the other parts of the business in parallel. Things must be done in parallel. Yep. Otherwise, you will end up with a gap that can be hard to fill. As you say, once you get to that tipping point of 40, 50 people, it, you, you do then need some structures and some planning in place to, to keep growing in the right way. And so I forgot to ask as well, how big is Yellow in terms of employee size? Yeah, so we're about 100 people now Wow. Yellow. And so are you guys working all at the office or do you have hybrid remote or how does it work? So we have always had flexible working and what that means to us is there's different um, opportunities, there's different ways that people work. We have just always been really open to that. We have a really open model. So there's work from home, there's different hours, there's all sorts of things. We have always, on a Friday in our business, had something that we call summer hours, but actually it goes all year round. We need to rebrand it. But we um, give people the opportunity to finish work at one o'clock on a Friday and have the rest of the day to to do something they enjoy or to get some things done. And that's just something we've always done. There's lots of things here. So when COVID happened we were very easily able to work from home but we were also very easily able to come back together we believe in connection and we did that every opportunity we could and I think that served us well I think a lot of remote teams what they struggle with at the moment we did as well is connecting when you're virtual yes how do you guys do that or manage to keep up with that yes so I guess now it's a little bit easier. We have a Palmerston North call centre, so they are all together there. There's about 25 people there, and then the rest of our people are in Auckland, and we've only got one or two in Christchurch. So we will still connect in terms of actually physically going to those places. Right. 
or bringing our people to Auckland if that's needed. But we also have very good tools. We have Zoom. We yep. have um, Slack. All of the um, the the digital tools available to us that make that a lot easier. And that's super cool. And so, as it was during lockdown itself, so it lasted about five to six weeks. Um, so with that there, I suppose, how would you guys, like, I mean, when you're at the office, you can just say, hi, hello, go for a coffee mm. or whatnot. How do you, how do you, you know, sort of keep that sort of uh, employee engagement? Yeah, yeah. In the first lockdown, which was definitely the hardest, because I think it was also a shock. We were trying to work out what was going on within New Zealand, within the world. So what we did was actually connected our people daily. We had something that we branded, Marina Yellow, Good morning, Yellow. And we would have it on Zoom. And uh, uh, each member of the leadership team would run that every day. And everybody could um, Zoom in. And um, we would just give updates. We would talk about what's going on. We would sometimes do some crazy things. There was some interesting dress up and all those sorts of things going on. So we connected that way. We also decided that within that time, particularly with people who had children at home, that we had a space in the day where there was no meetings. Right. And um, hopefully that provided some relief yeah. to those who were homeschooling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah, who I was one of those. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was one of the lucky few that didn't have to. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that was lucky within that time. <laughs> and so when you had that window where you weren't having meetings, when would that happen then? When did they happen? Yep. So usually we had that window um, from about 11 till 2 so the, the meetings were outside of that. And obviously, if people wanted to do phone calls within that time, or they could. But okay. we really did um, try to just give people some, some breathing space in a very difficult time. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it was just real uncertain. Um, yes. I mean, when you look back, you mm. sort of forget some of it. I know. Um, but I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, when you go look back, like I was, you know, looking at a, I was actually listening to a podcast from back then, yeah. and it sort of reminded me of how actually daunting it was. Yes, so agreed. much uncertainty. I agree with you, and how far we've come. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting here right now. That's it's right. just, it's amazing. It is. It's wonderful. Um, and so. Of course, coming from a people's background, work-life balance, particularly for someone with high responsibility, so a chief mm. role, VP role, mm. or you know any management role, mm. how do you, you know, how do you keep that yourself? Yeah. I guess I've learned over the years that I'm only my best if I look after myself. Yep. So I am really quite um, quite good at that. I get good sleep. I eat well most of the time. Um, and I also, whilst my days can be busy, I do have a time where I actually shut off and just give my mind a rest. I like to meditate. Right. That helps me. I like to walk and listen to podcasts. Awesome. Um, I do a lot of my learning when I'm walking. Yep. And I also like time with my son. I have a six-year-old son. So again, I, I make time for all of that within my life and I think that that helps me to be better at work and in crisis scenarios like since I work with a lot of startups what I see a lot is uh, I'll be on a call at 3am because it's you know UK and then I'm on another call at 6am so for people that are sort of you know in a situation like that what would you recommend or you know sort of say you could do to manage that yeah 
And I think all of us have that at some point. And as long as that's not your every day, mm. I think that's okay. So if you have to do that once a week or twice a week, that's probably not the end of the world. But again, I think it's about setting boundaries for yourself because yep. there's often a way to say, well, could we do that another time or in another way? Or could is there a better way to actually have this conversation? So again, we're all responsible for, I think, setting our own boundaries and knowing uh, how we work best. No, absolutely. I absolutely agree. But for those people who aren't in a management position, but it's sort of, they sort of feel like they're obliged to say yes, mm. how would you recommend to them sort of, you know, how to bring that conversation up to the execs or the higher management? Yeah, yeah. I always think do that in a really adult, solution-focused way. So it's always best to... Uh, I, I think it would be very unusual for somebody not to listen if you come to it with actually this may not work for me but how about this right. or this is having this effect on me but could I perhaps look at doing it this way that's I think the better way to in that adult space have that conversation gotcha no, I, could, I could see that being quite effective yeah. because you're coming up to someone right who obviously makes a lot of decisions in the day yeah. and you're sort of making it easier for them that's right and also giving them uh, a bit of context of why yeah yeah and i think often it's really important to understand that often people don't know what's going on for you yeah it's important to tell them yes um, yeah. and not just assume totally yeah. agree yeah. totally agree which I, I suppose the um, Morena Yellow would have been mm. quite powerful because that's when yeah. you can go discuss what's going on, yeah. what's on your mind, and yeah. uh, sort of be uh, thoughtful towards um, you know how you work with certain people. Yeah, absolutely. And throughout that time, also we were regularly surveying our people just to understand. There's just some really simple questions we asked, like you know, how are you feeling today? Um, what could we do to help you feel better? Are you right. okay? Those sort of questions, um, which also worked really well and gave us some good information. Just keeping people connected. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and so, there's one one key thing. I mean, startups, CEOs of the startups. In fact, a lot of entrepreneurs they face this a lot: imposter syndrome. Yeah. yeah. How would how do you believe? someone in that position or someone you know facing it could actually uh, muscle through it one of the great things we've done here at yellow just last week actually is we have a um a program called the parallel project which is actually our um, gender equality program uh, particularly in leadership but when i say that it's not just about women in leadership it's also mm. about um helping men to understand how they can be better allies and create yep. space and throughout that we um, have a series of lounge discussions we call them and we had one last week on imposter syndrome oh, wow. and the discussion was amazing from just about probably 50 people who were in the discussion everybody I think had experienced it in one mm. way or another so again I'm a big believer in storytelling and in providing a safe space for people to listen, to then perhaps tell their story if they want to, or understand someone else's. That has worked really well for us here at Yellow, and I, and I think with, in terms of the imposter syndrome, that's a really important one. It's got to be understood, it's got to be talked through, and, and how, again, do we create spaces where it's, it's okay to be vulnerable? Mm, yeah, completely agree, completely agree. And... I suppose 
I won't ask this question yet. I'll ask it a bit later, um, which was, what would you say to a 21-year-old Tracy Taylor? Mm. Um, but going back to, I suppose, the future of Yellow, uh, of course, coming from the people background, um, and of course yourself, you know, you meditate quite a lot. So from my understanding, you must be spiritual as well? Yeah, I, would, I guess I would call myself that, absolutely. Awesome. Mm. And so do you think that's helped shape the CEO you are today? Definitely, because what it does is it helps. I've got a very busy mind, which I'm a lot of people have, I'm sure. But it helps me get that still, mm. and then I make better decisions, and I'm able to think through things. So that's one of the reasons I do it. Um, I find sitting still or being still quite difficult. So meditation was a big challenge for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still <can> imagine. is. <laughs> yeah, but it's something I try to practice, and I think that's that's the um, understanding that I've been given is that actually when I do do that, I am in a better place to make decisions. Yep. No, that makes yeah. complete sense. Complete sense. And so, last question over here is: Well, what advice would you give to um, the twenty-one-year-old Tracy Taylor? I guess. I'm, I'm not sure I would do anything different. I have really enjoyed my life so far. I've yep. done a lot of travel. I've given things a go. I think I would just say do more of that, but perhaps be more comfortable with yourself whilst you're doing it. Be open to help. Be okay with being vulnerable. Um, be okay sometimes with not knowing the answer. All of that is wonderful life skills. Completely agree. Mm. Completely. I mean, um, you know, travel just it's invaluable yes. experiences overseas. Um, it's it's super awesome. Just one one other thing I want to touch on. So, I mean, a lot of the CEOs you see today they either come from a legal background mm -hmm. or finance, yeah. and so of course this is different. But for everyone that is pursuing recruitment or you know the people area. What sort of advice would you give them if they want to, you know, come to a position, position of CEO? Yeah. Again, I, I think it's about taking opportunities that are put in front of you that might not perhaps look like the opportunity you want to take at the time. Get involved in other things. Go outside of your job description. Right. Always look for how can you add value. What are the, um, what, are, what are you passionate about? Why? And then how perhaps can you influence for yourself getting those opportunities. Um, that's something that I've always tried really hard to do. And and then sometimes, um, you know, you get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and it falls into place. Yep, yep. Yeah, isn't it something where the, um, I suppose, the harder you work, the luckier you get? Perhaps, I agree. <laughs> yep. I like that. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for taking out your time today to allow us to capture your wisdom. Uh, we honestly enjoyed a lot of it and I uh, hope you did too. AJ, thank you Raj, I've enjoyed it. <laughs>